In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Are we there yet? Every one of us who has been a child has asked this question. And every parent has heard this question more times than we can recall. Sometimes the words are different, but the meaning is the same. Why can't I play now? I'm hungry. I'm tired of this. How much longer? Children don't seem to understand time. Even though they've heard the answer a thousand times, they readily become distracted from what they have heard. And we are like them. We know the promises that God has given to us, but we are distracted by so many things. When the trial comes, we begin with courage, with the resolution that our trials will not overpower us. Many Christians began this pandemic time with a renewed focus on loving their neighbor, devoting time to pray and read God's word, finding creative ways to attend God's house and to receive his gifts. Congregations that live-streamed their services saw an incredible demand of people watching services and engaging electronically. But as the weeks turned into months, the interest waned. Maybe the novelty wore off. Maybe the anti-humanity of the physical world replaced with a virtual one drove them away. But many who previously dedicated their Sunday morning to hearing God's word have found comfort in a new normal without it. Perhaps something else drove them away. They just got bored. Maybe your trials are unique to you. And you started with a resoluteness to see them through. But now it seems that they will outlast you. Your trials and sorrows demand your immediate attention. They direct you to look inside yourself and see only the growing sadness and despair. Jesus and his, and his gifts, it seems, can wait. My problems can't. Such extended trials wear us out. Or, to put it in context of today's text, the while of the little while sets in. We acquiesce. We realize that we might never see the end of this difficulty. Affliction, pain, a troubled marriage, strained relationships, addiction, government mandates, 
worries about our children, cares about our parents. Perhaps a sin that gnaws at the back of your mind, suffering that won't leave you alone. Now, we know that Jesus promised our suffering would only last a little while, but it doesn't seem very short. The sorrow and sadness of this life never seem to come to an end. In the, place, in the face of depression and the heaviness in our hearts, Jesus' words to us seem distant and ethereal, perhaps even imaginary. The sorrow of our lives is much closer to us, more tangible, more real to us than he is. And the reality of life in this world is no match for our wishful thinking. And so we look at everything we have to face, and like a presumptuous and disgruntled child, can this be over now? I'm tired. Are we there yet? Now all of these ways of suffering point us back to one thing, back to sin. Because everything that causes you to suffer in this life is on account of sin. You can't escape the sorrow that your sin brings. And so you come to church to have your sin addressed. And if it's something else other than sin that brought you here, you'll come to learn that the only thing the church really does deal with sin. So you come to church, and you hear the absolution. You receive the eternal peace that comes from the Lamb of God. You join with the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven in singing praises to God. You declare with St. Simeon that you are ready to die. You are ready to depart in peace. And so you leave this place, the taste of bread and wine, Christ's true body and blood lingering on your tongue. And then, just hours later, perhaps even on your way out to the parking lot, the sin comes back. You fall into temptation. Maybe it was even the same sin that brought you here this morning. You were so certain that you were done with that sin. Now it's back. Or maybe it's some other sin. So you came to church. You were glad to be here. You sang the hymns with joy. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you found the hymns hard to sing, their doctrine hard to love. Maybe you want to find joy in what your Lord says, but the joy just seems to be elusive. Maybe you know that you should want your Lord's joy, 
but it just doesn't seem desirable. You long to be with your Lord. You long to love the things that he loves. You long to be free from sin, to be in heaven. You long to please your Savior, to live as God's child. You don't want to sin anymore. You don't want to say mean things to your neighbor or harm his reputation. You want Jesus to just hurry up and come back because you want to be with Jesus. And yet, for now, you don't see him. Not as the disciples did on that first Easter day. And so then, on top of all this, as we mourn, the world rejoices. You are ridiculed and mocked by a world that doesn't understand you. As you mourn, they spitefully rejoice in your face, mocking your sadness and its cause. They call you hateful names and laugh at how strange you are. Around the world, Christians are persecuted daily. Beatings, kidnappings, murders, destruction of property. This is the daily life of our brothers and sisters around the world. Some try to intimidate Christians into silence. And sometimes it works. Fear of being mocked silences Christian confessions every day. So it doesn't take a prophet to see that persecution against Christians in our own nation will only increase. Just this past week, the president's administration stated its desire to punish doctors and hospitals for sex discrimination unless they perform so-called gender transition procedures. And this, they said, would even apply to religious facilities, forcing Christians to ignore bodily harm, to disregard clinical evidence, to act against their conscience, to be compelled under threat of persecution to go against God's word. And so everywhere we look, it seems the world has turned upside down it seems that Jesus has gone missing. So when the world has turned upside down, where do you turn? How easily we forget that Jesus gives us eternal joys. And how, offering it, how often it is that suffering surprises us. But Jesus tells us in our gospel text that we should expect this. How clearly he says that we will suffer. You will weep and lament. You will be sorrowful. You have sorrow now. You see, Jesus acknowledges your feelings. 
He knows that it seems like it won't end. He told you beforehand so that you would know that he's telling you the truth about reality. Jesus acknowledges that this suffering will come, that you can expect sorrow and lamenting, tears and, yes, unhappiness. Jesus tells us to expect suffering. He would have us learn that suffering is part of our training. Suffering is part of what we experience in this life to drive us to Jesus. Because Jesus himself knows human suffering and joy better than anyone. He speaks as one who truly understands. Jesus likens our present sorrow to the labor of a pregnant woman. But Jesus experienced a sorrow far greater than the pain of labor. He sweat drops of blood in the garden. He was forsaken by God. He suffered the punishment for all sins at the same time. You see, Jesus not only understands, but he has done all of this for you, that his joy would be your joy, that you would rejoice in the things that he rejoices in. So if we wish to understand what is going on, we should listen to what he says. We should learn to describe our suffering as he does. For Jesus would have us hear one word, little while. I know it's not really one word in English, but it is in Greek. Mikron. You see, Jesus calls our suffering micro, not in terms of its severity, but in terms of its length. That's why in our gospel text, when Jesus talks about a little while, he's referring to two different things. The first little while was our Lord's three-day absence as his body lay dead in the tomb. Then the disciples mourned. Though those days must have felt to them like an eternity, they were soon over. The little while came to a joyous end. So now when Jesus talks about the time between his ascension and the last day, he calls that a little while too. This little while is still going on. But Jesus says, in only a little while, your sorrows will be gone. Your trials in this life will be as permanent as his stay in that borrowed tomb. As Christ is risen. But Jesus doesn't promise to take away your sorrow in this life. He promises that your life will have sorrow. But soon your sorrow will turn into joy. Those who wait upon the Lord will see the Lord, 
at the end of their waiting. In that day, joy will overflow your heart. You will laugh out of sheer delight. Do your sins cause you anguish? They will trouble you no more. Have people sinned against you and caused emotional scars deep within your soul? Your healing will be complete. When Jesus pulls you from your grave, from death to life, there will be only joy. And then you will see how short, how micro, your time of suffering really was. So let us learn to use the language of our Lord, to call our trials by the name that he gives them. Now, you may not always feel this to be true, but already, simply by hearing this promise of Christ, just by hearing it, your current sorrow is tempered. Jesus has already died all your sins to death. Now he is victorious, risen from the grave, never to die again. It's true. For a little while, you see your sins and you don't see Jesus. But even now, the Father sees you. And when he looks at you, he doesn't see your sins. He sees Jesus with his nail-pierced hands interceding before the Father on your behalf. And then, when the little while is past, when Christ delivers you from them by life or by death, you will see how pointless your despair really is. For you, it will be just as it was for the disciples on Easter morning. Having reached the tomb and found it empty of its prey, unable to hold Jesus, you will know and understand how the sorrows of this little while come to their end in Jesus. Now, Jesus has seen his disciples through the first little while, this three-day absence from them. And so he will see you through this little while as well. And eternal joy will be yours. Jesus says, now is the time of the labor pains. Joy will come later. In Christ, then, you have the joy to ask the Father for anything in Jesus' name, and he will give it. So you can say, I know that the forgiveness spoken to me is from God himself. I know the Father's ear is inclined to me because of Jesus' hands and feet inside. Though I cannot see him, he is with me. In Christ's body and blood given to me, I have his peace even now. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen. Amen.